Welcome to episode 85 of Musically Challenged, your heap and helping of music, trivia, and pretty much whatever the hell else we want to talk about this week. Ooh, uh, guess what? What? We're doing episode 85? Yeah. It means we're only 15 weeks away from that big 100. That is true. Woohoo! And we got plans. We're not going to tell you what they are because you're going to be surprised, but right. we got right. we got plans. I can't tell them? Well, let's give it at least five episodes. Okay. How about we tell them at 90? I say we never tell them. Okay. We won't even tell them on episode 100. They'll just have to figure it out. Which I'm sure they will. <laughs> we have smart listeners. That's true. We're not smart, but we have smart listeners. Well, that's good, because somebody should be smart. <laughs> so, All right, well, if you haven't figured that out, I'm your host, Lush. Get that out of your mouth. Oh, crap. Talk about habit. <laughs> I almost tasted the beer before it was time. <laughs> I'm your host, Lush Schwalbach, and along with me is the drinking ahead of time. I didn't actually take a drink. Chad Knight. I didn't take a drink. I didn't. So this episode, we're going to continue the earlier series about songs with one common word in their title. This week, it's going to be all about me. Uh, okay. And me, too. So songs with me in the title are pretty damn common. Now, it isn't quite as common as the metric shit ton as there were for you. There are only 1,967 well, per that's song. like 700 class. less than the other one. That's half. I thought it was like 3,000. Well, was it that big? I don't remember. Um... Oh, what the hell is... 39.26. Oh, wow. It is like half. Yeah, it's but there's still a ton. Now, as before, it's going to be our trick to try to pare down to five that we like that beat out the other ones. But then again, that is our task and our burden to bear. And we do it happily for you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that we may have to do a volume two as there are a lot of songs that we passed up on. I think you, me, some of these, some of these words, we can go back and do two, three more episodes without right. ever duplicating <laughs> that'll be one of those the ability that could be one of those where it's like what do we want to do i don't know do you want to put a lot of work in it not really all right let's do a volume two <laughs> so there's going to be no artists or genre restrictions so this is going to be across the board and now it's time for me and me to get this show started for you yeah Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. So, good afternoon, evening, daytime, whatever it is. It's Tuesday we're in or a, Friday. We're in a basement. It could be morning for all I know. Yeah, I don't know how long we've been down here. So, okay, well, let's just say it's a day. It is a day. And it's how a is, day that ends in Y. There you go. And how is that day ending in Y treating you? Um. Okay, I, uh, I have to do some work tonight after we're done, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, it's all part and parcel with my job, so. If you want to get paid, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, you know, it's one of these things where the job's taking place in California. It's not starting until 9 o'clock California time, which makes it 11 o'clock our time, which means it's going to be a short night for me for tomorrow. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, it's all good. It's all good. How about you, man? About the same old, same old, just working on stuff and um, getting ready for the dreaded white stuff to be coming eventually. Well, nah, I think you're jumping the gun there a little bit. Well, fine. I'm just waiting for the Christmas music to start because that's about 15 minutes from now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Christmas and fucking 
pumpkin spice latte bullshit. I it's I've seen a lot of Facebook posts where they are like the best way to enjoy a pumpkin spice beer, and then it shows like dump that shit out. I've had a couple good ones. Oh yeah, there are good ones out there. But what I'm getting at is this whole everything is fucking pumpkin spice. And we're still in September. I mean, come on, yeah. not October. It should start. The in October. leaves haven't even changed yet. Exactly. I mean, we're still drink. We should still be drinking summer shandy. We could be. But you brought this stuff. Because we've had Summer Shandy before. Well, why don't you tell them about this stuff? All right, so we're going to New Belgium, wherever that is, and we're having a Tartastic. And I picked this one out because I know Chad likes the tartar stuff. I do like tart beers, yes. It was brewed and bottled by New Belgium Brewing in Fort Collins, Colorado, or Asheville, North Carolina. It's 4.2 per volume. It is a full 12 ounces this time, and it's 100% employee-owned. And it says it's a delightful combination of strawberry and lemon purees, Fills the senses with an enticing balance of sweet and sour fruit. Shall we see if they're fucking liars? I have a feeling they probably will be, but let's give it a run. Hmm. I don't I, hate it. I don't know how to feel about that. Because, okay. Cause, okay, there's the strawberry. Yeah, you can taste the strawberries. I don't taste the lemons. Oh, I got lemon on the right on the tip of the tongue mm, when I, I got strawberries started. right away. It's definitely weedy. Yeah, it's definitely wheat. It doesn't say it's a wheat beer, but it's definitely a wheat beer. I think I need another drink of this. Yeah, I don't hate it. I was, I mean, I know you're all about the sours, and I had a sour cherry one time, I think, when we were watching WrestleMania. Oh, could be, yeah. And I was not a fan. That was like horse piss. It was terrible. This is actually not bad. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So should we go ahead and uh, rate this thing? Oh, there's a lemon. Yeah, oh. it's in there. It's just, it builds. It's like you get, it's... It's like watching a movie a second or third time. You find new stuff every time. I think every drink of this, you're going to get a little bit more of a flavor to. Yeah, I got to agree with that, yeah. All right, what do you say? I'm going to say thumbs up. I'm going to say a bar. It's not my favorite, but, you but don't it's still hate good. It. No, I don't hate it. I'm really surprised. Now comes the part where you get to play the star and I get to play the contestant. Ooh, it's trivia time. That is indeed. I'm now, I am going to give you a hint. I did this song sometime within the last five episodes can't go back and look at your notes but that's your hint so which song on new jersey by bon jovi was recorded in mono oh i think i know this one so anyway because that's i'm pretty sure question. i didn't like it <laughs> you did not like it but i right. did but anyway so just so those out there in, in radio land the question is which song on new jersey by bon jovi was recorded in mono all right, I wrote down my answer, and we will reveal at the end of the show and see if I'm going to be 3-3 three and three or if I'll be 4-2. and two. There you go. So why don't you go ahead and lead this thing off? All right, I'm going to. I'm going to lead off with Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. Now, I know you said in the last episode that you preferred Pat Benatar over Joan Jett. Yes. So I did this just for you. I appreciate that. So in 1980, it was released as the second single from her second album, Crimes of Passion. It hit number seven in Cashbox and reached number nine on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming her first top ten hit. It sold well over a million copies in the U.S., achieving a gold certification by the RIA. The song is one of Benatar's most recognizable tracks. Heard at many baseball and soccer games, the song has been featured on many compilation albums, including both multi-artist works as well as those just focusing on Benatar. Eddie Schwartz, writer of the song, said that he came up with the title of the song after attending a pillow-punching therapy session in Toronto, but stated that the title is to be taken metaphorically. Really? So so a pillow-punching place in Canada? I, I guess. The song was later one of the songs available to put on a free mail-order customized 
mixed CD with every pizza order as part of a Pizza Hut promotion for their New York New Yorker style pizza. I remember we used to do that. Remember the Seven Up ones they used to do that? Yeah, yeah. I won one. Did you really? Yeah, I still have the disc. It's like the sh- like the shittiest songs I could come up with. Just be like, it's free. I don't yeah. Care. So let's see if we can hit you with our best shot. Okay, I was stretching. I get it. If you got it, I will take it. It's almost like she knows what she wants and how to get it. Perhaps some looks at sadomasochism? Not sure on that, but I think she's asking to get spanked or slapped or hit. Kind of weird. Still one of those songs that need to be on any playlist of the 80s. What's your thought? Well, this is, I mean, honestly, you could probably rename this as Bring It On, Bitch, and it would mean the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. You know, tough chick Pat Benatar sings an equally tough song about an independent woman who just won't give it up and is making the guy work for it. Good for her. You know, she's got a killer voice, lots of memorable songs, great videos. Yep. I don't have a lot to say. I love this song. All right, fair enough. Why don't you go ahead and kick off your first one? We're going to go with A Little Despicable Me by Pharrell Williams. It's Yeah, it's Pharrell. Yeah. Uh, now, this song is the title for title song for the 2010 DreamWorks animation film of the same name. Most of the soundtrack was that was original, that is, was done by Williams and produced by legendary composer Hans Zimmer. Despicable Me is a song that talks a bit about characters and plot points from the movie and is seemingly sung from the point of Gru, the Steve Carell voice main character of the movie. The instrumental version of the song featured throughout the film and makes recurring appearances in later sequels. Let's go ahead and... I'm feeling a little despicable, so... Let's make him listen to it. Me too. Why do you like seeing people in shock? But my question to you is why not? Why go to the baker stand in line? Just use a freeze gun, it saves me time. I'm having a bad, bad day. It's about time that I get my way. Steamrolling whatever I see. Oh, despicable me. Now, the song's got a neat little funk to it, and it's perfectly done for the movie. The movie was pretty hilarious. It was a family-friendly movie. The minions were hilarious. They introduced the world to those little bananas with eyes. I appreciate the song, and, I mean, even if you're in a bad mood, this movie can kind of make a grin, because it's like, I'm just having a bad day. Everybody get out of my way. Despicable Me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as a side note, Despicable Me was not amazing, but the bad guy, the 80s themes, and the music makes it totally worth watching. If you haven't seen Despicable, if you haven't seen all three of them, they are well worth the time. I even have three short minion shorts that I can let you borrow sometime. I think I might have seen those as well because I think we went to all three of them in the theaters. Okay, okay. And have you seen three then? Oh yeah. With oh god, it was I think it's Matt uh, Trey Parker. No, Matt Stone, Matt the, one Stone. of the South Park yeah. guys. And it's all 80s related. Like they did some Van Halen in there, and the movie itself was pretty damn good. Oh yeah. So obviously the song was made for the movie. I had never heard the song just on its own. I heard it in the movies and stuff, but never actually... It's actually pretty funny. Not what I'm used to hearing from Pharrell, but... Because it's family-friendly? I really got... Well, that too. I really got a chuckle out of this, and I can envision those little minions singing it in their own special language. I, I am really glad this was included, because I needed to laugh. The day that I was writing about this, I was kind of in a pissy mood, and I'm like... Having a bad, bad day? Everything's going to just be horrible. I'm just going to be like pissing and shitting on everything and this song was one of the first ones i listened to and i'm like hey kind of like this and they got the kids singing it too that's what i kind of liked about the yeah. song also yeah what do you got next all right so up next i'm gonna do me and bobby mcgee by janice joplin 
This Joplin cover is a song written by American singer-songwriter Chris Christofferson and songwriter Fred Foster, originally performed by Roger Miller. A posthumously released version by Janis Joplin topped the U.S. singles charts in 1971, making the song the second posthumously released number one single in the U.S. chart history after Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. There he is again! Yeah, that son of a bitch is all over the place. Billboard ranked Joplin's version as the number 11 song for 1971. Other recordings of the song include those by Waylon Jennings, The Grateful Dead, Christofferson himself, Kenny Rogers, and The First Edition, Gordon Lightfoot, and Miranda Lambert. The song is the story of two drifters, their narrator and his girlfriend, Bobby McGee. The couple hitch a ride from a truck driver and sing as they drive through the American South. They visit California and then part ways, with the song's narrator expressing his sadness after her departure, or her sadness after his departure, whichever way you want to look at it. Joplin recorded the song for inclusion on her Pearl album only a few days before her death in October 1970. Studio musician Steven Ryder manned the keyboard for that session and famously got a little carried away. Christofferson had sung the song for her and singer Bobby Newworth taught it to her. Christofferson did not know she had recorded it until after her death. The first time he heard her recording of it was the day after she died. How powerful would that have to be? Yeah. I mean... Especially if you enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, if somebody covered it and it sucked, it was like, well, okay. <laughs> we just want to add that. Joplin's version topped the charts to become her only number one single, and in 2004, her version of the song was ranked number 148 on the Rolling Stones' list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Let's check in on Bobby McGee. So I learned a few things after reading about this and reading the lyrics. I always, for some reason, thought it was a song about suicide. It's not. Not even close. I think the song was has always called to me in a way, mostly because as short and tragic as her life was, Janice's voice was one I have always loved. It's too bad that drugs and hard drinking killed her during her 27th year. Another one of the club. Just a great soul song. I wish she had been around longer. Would have loved to see what else she could have done. So, what are your thoughts? I know you're not the biggest Janice fan. Right, and uh, my first thought was I did not know this was a cover. Oh, okay. I didn't know this. I mean, Roger Miller did it, as you mentioned, and Roger Miller did it, but it's more the Janice version that everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Christofferson actually remembers the song fondly, probably because it's partly his song. and just Well, he, he wrote just, it. Right, and he just likes the arrangement of it. I know it's supposed to be a classic song by a classic artist, but I just could really never get behind her voice. There's just something that rubs me the wrong way about it. See, I'm and I absolutely love that deep, raspy See, you know, kind of voice. The, the raspy thing just doesn't do it for me. I, I mean, that's just my own personal thought take on it. I'm just not a fan. Maybe that's why I like Eartha Kitt more than you do as well. That could very well be. <laughs> All right, so what do you got next? Well, next we're going to go with a little ELO and dude, Don't Bring Me Down. Bruce? Who the fuck is Bruce? Bruce, is, actually there is no Bruce, but we'll get to that. So this tr song is a track off of ELO's 1979 album Discovery, and it's listed as their highest U.S. charting song in their career, pe peaking at number four on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. It's an easy song to interpret. There's someone who's harshing his mellow, so he's flat out telling him not to bring him down and let him stay in a good mood. Fair enough. Pretty straightforward. It's a fun song for anybody, especially those named Bruce, and before all the haters go off, yes, I know that's not the actual word. 
Paul, uh, was it Paulin? Je- no, Jeff Lynn, that's right. He wrote the made-up word Groose. It's not Bruce? No, it's Groose, like G-R-O-O-O-S. On the lyric sheet, but it was misunderstood by so many people, he actually changed the lyrics in the live show to Bruce. Okay. So if you've ever seen it live or if you watch it, everybody is Bruce. Now, let's just go ahead and take a, list, uh, take a listen to it, and then I have one final thing before I let you kick in. So my last thing I was going to say is for a truly interesting experience, definitely check out the music video. I will not give you spoilers, but it will definitely make you go, what? Okay. Now, everything I wrote makes no sense now after you did yours, but I'm going to read it anyway. (laughs) Who the fuck is Bruce? That's all I really want to know. It's a good rock song, but honestly, I want to know who fucking Bruce is. However, if you already answered this and you have, my my entire thing is pointless. So who's Bruce? He's... Just the guy. It's not even a, it's not even the right words. Because isn't that kind of like one of those, um, oh, what's the word I was looking for? Like a... Um, misheard lyric? A misheard lyric, or it's one of those that, um, like an urban legend that you believed all your life, and then when you find out the real answer, it's like, I'm going to keep believing the false one, because the reality is too stupid. Yeah. So there you go. Just pretend <laughs> you didn't hear it. Okay, I didn't hear it. I'm just going to Clorox my brain. Okay. All right. <laughs> just, I, I, I recommend you do not do that, folks, because that is probably not good for you. <laughs> You're probably right. But what do I know? I don't know. If you've Cloroxed your brains a few times, maybe that's a problem. Yeah. All right, what's next? So up next, I have Take a Chance on Me by ABBA. It was released in January 1978 as the second single from their fifth studio album, ABBA, the album. The song has been featured on a number of... Spaceballs, the album. Right. Featured on a number of ABBA compilations. The working title of Take a Chance on Me was Billy Boy. Written and recorded in 1977 by Benny Anderson and Bjorn Uveus, it opens as a cold intro and was sung by Agnetha Falkskrog and Anifrid Langstad, with Falkskog delivering the solo passages. It has a constant up-tempo throughout the entire recording. It was one of ABBA's first singles in which their manager, Stig Anderson, there's a nice one. Stig Anderson, yeah. Yeah. Did not lend a hand in writing the lyrics, firmly establishing Anderson and Uvelis as a songwriting partnership. The song's original origin sprang from Uvelis, whose hobby was running. While running, he would sing a tick style rhythm to himself over and over again, which evolved into Take a Chance and the eventual lyrics. Will you take a chance on this? So the first thing is, I can't believe I'm doing an ABBA song. I have to say, though, I actually do like some ABBA, and this song is one of them. Yes, it's disco. High-energy disco. I'm not a disco guy or high-energy. But as we have said before, every genre of music has hidden gems, and disco is on my list now. Just a fun song about a girl telling someone that if you run out of all options, hey, I'm still here. Come on, dude, take a chance on me. I like it. 
Not she, much more to say, a, though. She's okay being the last choice? Yeah, kind of. That's what the lyrics really are. I know, but that just sounds terrible. Doesn't it? So what are your thoughts on this one? You know, I'm not a, disc, a big disco fan either, but the song is surprisingly infectious and will not let go. I mean, it gets your hooks, it gets its hooks in you, and it just, I'm here, I'm here to stay. Yeah, yeah. It's like kind of like Dancing Queen. Uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> I'm just, that one I'm not a fan of. Okay. You know, it's not a bad song, but I couldn't really listen to this very, very often, otherwise I might lose my mind. Fair enough. But, I honestly, okay, you said Dancing Queen, Fernando. Okay. Only because of that 70s show episode, remember? Yep. I suppose you probably just watched that recently, too. I, I did. I'm on the final season now. I'm trying, struggling through it because oh, season seven was terrible. It's rough, dude. It's rough. But it all pays off in that final episode. I don't care what anybody says, but when Eric comes home and they... Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen it by now, fuck off. And they're sitting on the hood of the Vista Cruiser like mm-hmm. the entire series started. Mm-hmm. It's worth the payoff to struggle through that final season. You know, and there was rumors that he wasn't going to show up. Right. There was, I mean, huge rumors that Topher Grace, because he was a big movie star now. Was... Right, and I guess he was kind of a dick. Nobody really liked him. That's yeah, why he left for that final season. I had heard that as well. He got kind of too big for his britches, right. even though Seventy Show kind of made him. Right. But the fact he came back, and I'm sorry, the, the last episode had one of my favorite lines, and I think it was like, I circled the airport so many times, I think I sprained my middle finger. Yes, from Red. Yep. So they also do the red montage in that last episode with all the foots and asses. Oh, thing. yep. That's that hilarious. That was the last foot in the ass of, 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 of the, this decade. Of the decade, really? And then he's like, "Oh no, they had one, one more in them." Yep. <laughs> Although the out the in my eye, they had that they had that montage yes. too. Yes. Yes. And just crazy. There's so many. You know, honestly, that's it's a really good show. I mean, there are some adult themes in it, a lot oh, of yeah. adult themes in it. But it's just such a good show that has so many running gags in it that if you watch it from start to finish, you can pick up on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. All right, so what do you got next? So I'm going to do another take song, and this is going to be Take On Me by Aha. 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 Where's the spoon? Aha. (laughs) Got to watch that movie soon, too. I love that movie. So this song actually had two versions. The second being the one that we all know, and that was released on Aha's debut album, 1985's Hunting High and Low. The song is a synth-style song that is a guy going after a girl and essentially has the same meaning as the ABBA song. Give it a shot. Or give me a shot. Either way. Yep. While it's a classic 80s tune, the song isn't nearly as memorable as the video. Now, it was a revolutionary concept of real life and comics meshing. The video cleaned up at the 1986 VMAs, winning six awards. Wow. Best New Artist in a Video, Best Concept Video, Most Experimental Video, Best Direction in a Video, and Best Special Effects in a Video, and Viewer's Choice. And it was nominated for two more, Best Group Video and Video of the Year. And they didn't win those two? I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued to see what won. Yeah. What won Video of the Year for 1986? I, I don't know. I'll look it up while you keep reading. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick listen while you look it up. So to this day, it's still popular, making references in pop culture such as Family Guy and having, as of July of 2018, more than 670 million views on YouTube. That's three quarters of a billion people have watched this movie or this video. Let that sink in. So now 
Anyhow, the song, as mentioned, is a classic 80s and should be on every 80s mix. Real Big Fish covered the song for the movie Basketball, giving it a ska feel that's worth a listen also. But, I mean, what else can you say? It's I think they're kind of a one-hit wonder, but this being their one hit is amazing. Okay, so to answer your question on what won music video of the year in 1986... Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, that was a great fucking video, too. It was, and it was very revolutionary for the time. And, I mean, if you look at that versus what we've got, like, now, I mean, that was top-end computer stuff. Right. Well, kind of. I mean, because Tron came out, and that was a lot. That was movie-movie, though. That was movie, not video. But, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Star Wars came out in 77, and that CGI stuff was better. Again, we're talking movies versus videos. But, yeah, it's... Between, like the headband, man. I'll tell you what, the glowing headband and the, the yeah, the neon guitar strings mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was. So anyway, back to Aha. Uh-huh. I love this song, and like you said, the video is fucking amazing, especially at, when you look at when it was done. It's a fun synth pop song about a girl looking for Mr. Right or a guy looking for Miss Right, but their lives are different. As pictured in the video, where he lives in a comic book and she lives in the real world, or vice versa, depending on whose side you're looking at. Uh, in the end, they break through their differences and become a couple. I, I just love the song. It's a great song. It was on my very first compilation tape I got. Nice. It was uh, it was on uh, Rock and Rio, so like 1987, I think, or 88, something like that. And uh, it was a song I really liked. And then I saw the video later on, and I was just like, your head exploded. <sighs> yeah, it was yeah. just amazing. I just you you mentioned the first tape that you got. Now I remember I won a tape. Okay. From a box of cereal. Oh, that had to be class stuff. Uh, total Eclipse of the Heart was it was all 80s. That oh, was nice. The top, I might even still have it somewhere, but it was in a box of checks. I'm pouring this like breakfast time. I'm pouring this into my in my cereal bowl, and out pops like a cassette tape with like 10 songs on it. I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome! And it was decent stuff too. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So that was me. And what's yep. for, what's for you? There's always something there to remind me by the Naked Eyes. Is a song written in the 1960s by songwriting team Burt Bacharach and Hal David. The lyrics are from the point of view of a man who has just broken up with his lover. He would prefer to forget about her, but everywhere he goes, there is always something there to remind him. Twenty years after its composition, Always Something There to Remind Me reached the U.S. Top 20 for the first time via a synth-pop reinvention of the song by Naked Eyes, which reached the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the summer of 83. Naked Eyes re-recorded the song as an acoustic version for the 2007 album Fumbling with the Covers. Hmm. I have not listened to it either, Hmm. and I can tell by your face that you haven't either. No. In the Philippines, the song was one of the most popular singles released in 1983. Naked Eyes version appears in a 2017 commercial for T-Mobile, as well as a trailer for the fifth season for Arrested Development in 2018. Let's see if this reminds you of anything. I remember, I think they did a commercial, a Burger King commercial with this in it, too. They also no, did, that was Melt With You, wasn't it? They did it? that also. Oh, they did both of them? Yep. Okay. I don't remember this one, but I like to say that I never really got into synth pop. But to continue to say that would make me a liar and probably worse. I'd be that guy who lies about what he likes because he thinks it makes him look bad. That said, this is a good song from the band Naked Eyes. I'm not sure if they ever did anything else of mention, but... I can say, as far as I know, they haven't. 
Just a fun little re- little remake of a song that sounds happy, but really isn't. I like it. I think it's a good song. You know, and this is the second of your songs that I didn't know was a cover. Okay. Um, I'm it, just I'm just throwing curveballs at you. Yeah, no like... kidding. So this is a classic 80s song that starts with the sound what sounds like tubular bells being hammered on, and it just earworms its way into your brain. Um, it's not a happy song by any means, but it's a classic. I kind of want to go back and listen to the Lou Johnson one from the 1960s and see how it was different. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. But no, it's just a classic song all the way. All right, so what do you got up next? All right, I'm going to go with You'll Never Ca- You'll Never Catch Me by Steve Harwell. Okay. And Steve Harwell, if you didn't already know, is either is slash was, I think they're still around, the lead singer for Smash Mouth. And so the song was written for and came off the soundtrack for NASCAR 3D, the IMAX experience. Yes, I did go see a NASCAR thing at IMAX, and it was fucking amazing. I Have you ever been to a real NASCAR race? Uh-uh. I was to one back in, I want to say early 2000s. Uh, my dad and I went to the Brickyard in Indianapolis. Oh, okay, yeah. Amazing. Well, it's, you know, in this one here, obviously it's not the real thing, but I mean, if you've ever been to IMAX, they've got like, what is 140 speakers. Right. And full like immersion surround. Right. So you're hearing the stuff go from left to right and sideways. Oh yeah. Else. I mean, the, the coolest thing was you always heard about NASCAR Thunder, right? And I was always like, <clears throat> but sitting there, we, we were right on turn four. Okay. And you could see them go past you. And when they hit the front, you know, it was like you're watching them on the board because you couldn't see them anymore. And when they come around turn three, you could feel them before you could see them. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And then because of the speed of sound and everything else, just kind of it's Doppler effect type stuff, which is like the high to low and everything else. It's, you know, if you've ever seen Days of Thunder, which everybody I think has. I, if you haven't, why why aren't you watching it now? Right. Side thought: They just pushed back the Top Gun two movie to 2020. Did they? Yep. Because apparently of the quality of the effects and the expense of it, it's going to take longer. Okay. I'd rather have them take longer to put out a better movie. Yeah, I would, because I, I don't know how they're going to top the first one, but... But in any respect, well, by not having the love interest in there, because she did not age well. <laughs> but anyways, no. It's just, it was an amazing IMAX thing to go. The IMAX film was narrated by Kiefer Sutherland, and it chronicled the beginning of the sport, which was... Bootlegging. Moonshine, right. And it went through the current times, including driver interviews, high-def videos of car racing, and trivia. Even for a NASCAR non-super fan, it was incredible to witness with the 100-plus screens, a huge thing. I mean, you were turning your head the whole time, which is probably what it's like at a real race. It, yeah, it really is. You know, for such an undertaking, they needed an equally epic soundtrack, and they got one with this, including Dave Robidoux's rousing Thunder theme, which was from the Fox Sports. Um, they had Boom by P.O.D. and then Sweet Home Alabama because they had to throw, if it's bootlegging, it's got to put something on there. Right, Skinner. right. Well, and they got to throw some, you know, Southern country in there, some, some Southern mm-hmm. rock. Yeah. So being a movie about racing, they tapped Steve Harwell to write the song about speed racing and cockiness. Uh, Harwell, the lead singer of the 90s to current band Smash Mouth, so apparently I answered my own question, sings what sounds like a song about street racing, but it could be any kind of auto racing. The song is much harder and more hard rock than anything Smash Mouth has really done. And they put out what leads to me with like a session band instead of like his normal band playing backup. I enjoy the song. I remember hearing this on the soundtrack, hearing it in the IMAX thing, and I'm like, I really like this. Not sure what your thoughts are, and let's have a listen before we find out what your thoughts are. Single touch, 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 single touch
I'm just double checking here. Yes, they are still a uh, a rock band. Smash Mouth is still going. I did not know that. I thought once they burned themselves on the sun, they were done. <laughs> anyway, you know, I didn't know that Steve Harwell was the lead singer of Smash Mouth until you just said that here. But I was a little not sure what I was getting here because I when I found it on YouTube, it had a big picture of NASCAR, and I'm like, what the fuck is he up to? <laughs> but then I listened to it and. It is it is hard driven. It is it is bass driven. It is uh, you know guitar driven. It is it's just a great rock song. It's um, a heavier song than you expect from. Right. Well, if I'd known it was Smash Mouth, I'd have been like really like what? But no, it was. I thought it was done really well. But it's just standard, you know, heavy heavy music. It's there's nothing real special about it. I can see it as part of that experience. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. But. I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was a good song, but I don't think it's anything super special. Fair enough. So that's all I got to say about that. So what you got for last one? So my last one is "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me" by Elton John. It's a song written by English singer Elton John and his lyricist Bernie Taupin. It was originally recorded in 1974 by Elton John for his studio album Caribou, and it was released as a single that peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and reached number 16 on the UK Singles chart. The song found further success in 1991 in a live cover version recorded as a duet between John and George Michael. Or is it George Michaels? Is there um, an S on it? No. No, it's just George Michael. Which reached number one in the UK and US. So, will the sun go down on you? I think it kind of goes down on each one of us every day. The sun's a whore. Yeah. This is a very pretty song. It's a song about an unknown person who John has helped out. And now further on down the road, this person is now rejecting the singer for whatever reason. John is feeling this rejection and it's as if the very sun is setting on his life. Not the happiest of songs coming from John and Bernie, but still a great one. I really enjoy the vocals, the harmony, and the music choice of just a piano and drums. Just a well-thought-out and well-executed song. I don't know if you are aware that I chose the Elton-only vocals over the better-known Elton John and George Michaels collaboration. I just like the original better. I have said before, and I'll say it again, I could listen to Elton for hours. He's just that good of a singer. Oh, absolutely, and I look forward to it. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you got to say about the song? Did we listen to it? Yeah. Okay. Should we listen to it again because you like it that much? Sure. Okay. Two for one. So, it's a pretty ballad from the point of view from someone who gave all to assist someone and now is being turned turned on, basically. It's a dick move by anybody, but it makes for a great Elton John song. So, something must have hurt him uh, or Bernie to write said song. 
But much like Taylor Swift and bitching about every relationship she's ever oh had. Oh my god. If it weren't for some bad moments in Bernie's life, nobody is that unhappy that they're going to write a song like this if everything was peaches. Right. So, whoever fucked over Bernie Taupin, I hope you burn in hell, but thank you for a good song. <laughs> yeah, no, Taylor Swift. Why would any dude in his right mind ever date Taylor Swift? Maybe she's a hot piece of ass. I don't know. Uh, I find her annoying. I mean, she's cute enough, but the way she has screwed over every guy she's ever been with. I mean, uh, yeah, because you know it's it's coming. Yeah. It's going to happen, and you are going to be the name, the reason for something, and it's going to be immortalized in a bad way. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, what is your last one? My last one? That's right. I do have another one, don't I? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I already wrote the number next to it, so I thought I was done. Ah. So, all right, last one I have is Blow Me Away by Breaking Benjamin. Now, Blow Me Away is a non-album single that was written for and released specifically for the Halo 2 soundtrack Volume 1. Yes, Halo the video game. Okay. It's been remixed a couple times and released in other such media as Digital Download, an EP, and on their greatest hits album, 2011's Shallow Bay, The Best of Breaking Benjamin. The song ties into the game perfectly. It talks about, well, for lack of a better way to put it, a battle that protagonist fights. That's Yeah, that's it. It doesn't talk about Master Chief, it doesn't talk about the other characters in the franchise, but it gets the point across. I originally found the song on YouTube. It was a video of the intro of the Japanese anime X-Men, which makes ours look like a bucket of shit. Yeah, usually. Oh my god, it's amazing. And it it's like drawn at kindergartners. This song was played in the background for assumingly what was not broadcast, because it was in English, and... The video was all silent except for the song. It was great. And so I had to find it and turn out that I already owned the CD because <laughs> I did. Let's go ahead and take a listen and then we'll we'll go from there. Now, the second place that I heard this song again was the Halo 2 soundtrack, which I already own mainly because the guitar virtuoso Steve Vai did his version of the Halo theme. Oh, okay. Um, it's called the Mjolnir Mix, which you know what the Mjolnir is in mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, Mjolnir is actually the power armor that Master Chief wears. And there's, your, okay. there's your nerdy video game trivia for All now. All right. I went back and listened to the song as I really, really dug it to the point that I wanted to find more of Breaking Benjamin. Okay. So that is what I have to say about that song. All right. So I'm going to start this off with something that will probably get me flamed, but it sounds like a Creed knockoff. That was the first thought I had. Okay. Now, it's actually a really good song. I was impressed by it. I don't think I've ever heard the song before, at least not that I can remember. I like the heaviness of the song, and I need to go check out more just more of this Breaking Benjamin stuff. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, really loud, and my my wife would hate it. <laughs> Therefore, I must love it. <laughs> it's a conspiracy that I plot against her when she isn't paying attention, so don't tell her, all right? Now, to wait and see if she says anything to me. She always says she listens to our podcast, so now we'll see. You need to put, like, a code or something, and you be like, all right, so, wife, I want you to tell me the code phrase of 512A. <laughs> and if she doesn't tell you the code phrase, because you can rewind it, right? then she don't listen. There you go. You know that's that's a little uh, uh, that, that's a little shitty. It is. It's shitty. And it's it's also like the people who sneak and like read their other their significant others' emails and like it's I I hate that shit. Yeah. What's the point? If you don't trust me, then why am I here? Right. 
you know, for Nikki and I, it's been 22, well, we've been married 22 years, so it's been like 25 years we've been together. At this point, if she doesn't trust me, why am I here? I would have thought it would have come out a lot sooner if she didn't trust you. Yeah, it would have. I mean, I don't think she doesn't trust me. Two negatives, positive. Yeah, that's right. She ain't got none of that some trust for you. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So, all right. So, shall we jump into the... The answer? The answer. I'll read the question again. All right. So that everybody out there can hear it. So, which song on New Jersey by Bon Jovi was recorded in mono? Was it Diamond Ring? No. Damn it. It was Ride Cowboy Ride. That's right. Now I remember. Because I remember I hated both of those songs. Yeah, yeah. You don't like anything that's good. No, I just don't like shitty songs. <laughs> oh, I could disagree with that because I've, I've talked about some of the shit you like. Yeah, it's but, gone both ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. That's the whole point of this, man. Exactly. So that puts you at three and three. I'm even. You're even. Bueller. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. So with that, uh, thank you guys for listening. If you want to reach out to us and drop us a line, you can do so. There's a couple different ways you can do that. With email, you can drop us an email at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. Reach out to us, drop us a line, uh, give us an idea for uh, an episode. If there's an episode you're like, I'd really like these guys to talk about, blah, let us know. We'll put one together. Or for that matter, you can put together 10 songs, 10 different artists, and give us the episode. And that way you don't have to hope we pick the right songs. Exactly. And you can do that via the previous mentioned ways. Or if you want to go ahead and use Twitter, you can use Twitter at, at mcpodcast 17 We'll be more than happy to hear back from you. We can make you famous. You can give us some love. Give us some hate. Just give us something. Yeah. Sounds like a great idea. And with that, thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.